For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line. Seems like it's been a long time, which it has. It's been three whole days. Four whole days, actually. Our last show was last week on Thursday. It is now Tuesday, September 29th, 2020. The day of the debate we've all been waiting for. It took me a long time to get this podcast started because I got sucked into the black hole known as the internet. I start watching videos, and and I'm convinced that one of the worst things ever created online, whether that's YouTube or social media or whatever, is suggested videos. And them automatically playing after you finish watching the video you actually chose... Because it takes you down this deep, dark hole. And next thing you know, you've wasted half of your day watching videos that you could have gone the rest of your life without seeing. That's what happened to me this morning. But that's all right. We got a show. We're ready. Ready to go. Ready to put you out some new content, some new information to keep you informed. We didn't do a podcast yesterday because I was uh, filling in on... 99.5 WZRR here in Birmingham, Alabama. That was a three to seven show, and I just couldn't consume my entire day of with podcasts and radio appearances and everything else. So I decided to take the day off. But don't worry, we're back. We're back. We've got important, important stuff to get to. And I kind of hate that I missed yesterday because a lot of stuff happened over the weekend. And it's not every weekend that you get a lot of. Uh, of news really because what happens you know the news cycle they they like to drop these bombs on a monday or a tuesday sometime at the beginning of the week because more people pay attention during the week to what's going on in the world than they do on the weekends because guess what we have our own world that we have to live in and we try to enjoy that on the weekends we don't like to have uh, the president or the Republicans or the Democrats or, you know, the mainstream media intrude on our weekends. Now, when I say we, I don't necessarily mean me because this is what I always do. But nonetheless, that's what we're used to seeing. So it was odd to see such a bombshell, this bombshell drop on uh, the, uh, the weekend like it did from the New York Times. The president's taxes, and this is such a big deal for the New York Times and really for the left, that they've created within the Times their own section titled 
the president's taxes. It, it could almost be its own novel, its own book. The president's taxes. Unfortunately for the New York Times and the Democrats in general, this has been attempted before and it failed miserably, but here we go again. Long concealed records show Trump's chronic losses and years of tax avoidance. That's right. Tax avoidance. Now, there's there's a lot of uh, wordsmithing in in these hit pieces that uh, New York Times and others put out, but especially this one. Because the term tax avoidance actually means legal loopholes. That's, that's what they're trying to say, but they wanted it to sound illegal-ish. They, they wanted it to sound like it was uh, something that he wasn't supposed to do or was not allowed to do, and unfortunately for them, he was allowed to do it. Even more unfortunately for them, it's their people that allowed him to do it. The Joe Bidens, the Nancy Pelosi's, the... The, the 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 people the Hillary Clintons the 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 Bill Clintons the people that have been there for 40 and 50 years are the ones that created this ability for for people like Donald Trump to do that for people like Jeff Bezos of Amazon to avoid taxes because again I, I've I've put this out and I am actively searching for these people. I don't want you to think this is just some some sort of shtick. I'm looking for people who have or plan on paying to the IRS more than what they actually owe in taxes or more than what they have to pay. Because for people that are up in arms about this story, I have to assume, unless they're complete hypocrites... They are willing to pay more in taxes than they're legally obligated to. Because that's it. That's all we've got here. The long and short, the beginning and the end, it's, it's nothing more than that. So let's take a look at the New York Times piece, see exactly what we have here. All right. The Times obtained Donald Trump's tax information extending over more than two decades, revealing struggling properties vast write-offs, an audit battle, and hundreds of millions in debt coming due. Donald Trump paid $750 in federal income taxes the year he won the presidency. In his first year in the White House, he paid another $750. He had paid no income taxes at all in 10 of the previous 15 years, largely because he reported losing much more money than he had made. That's about where they want you to stop reading. That's about the extent they want you to go. And uh, they'll just, they'll, they'll translate throughout the mainstream media with CNN and MSNBC and everybody else. That They'll give you the rest of the story. You don't have to read any further. That's, that's the way these guys operate. They give you a headline, which they hope can explain the entire story to you where you don't even have to click on the article but if you do, we'll put the most salacious stuff in the first two paragraphs. So once you get through that, you can go ahead and go about doing whatever you want. Or, or go ahead and just share the, the, the article on social media. Or your opinion. Whatever you want to do. Express your outrage that Donald Trump, the bazillionaire, only paid $750 in federal income or federal, federal taxes. And it gets conflated, so you, you know most of your your uh, uh, Facebook tax consultants are just conflating that he's only paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes altogether. Because most people don't even understand taxes. If you're not self-employed, if you're just turning in a, a W two to an H and R block once a year, you probably don't understand taxes. Not saying all of you don't; some of you do. But most of the people that are up in arms about this particular situation, they ain't got no clue how taxes work. <laughs> they ain't got a clue. Especially when it comes to someone who has a complicated tax filing like Donald J. Trump. They ain't got any idea. But they're mad. They're angry. They don't understand it, but they're angry. Why? Because they've been told to be angry. 
You're told to be angry, so you get up in arms. That's how it works in 2020. Now, what baffles me is this attempt by the Democrats, because obviously the the Biden-Harris campaign, the media, everybody latched onto this like this was the thing. As they've done so many times, this is the thing that's going to take down the president. This is the smoking gun. I've, I've actually seen that sentence on several occasions on Twitter and, and other places. This is the smoking gun that will take the president down. Oh, really? Is it? Because that's what we also heard in 2016. And we see how that worked out. It didn't work out very well, did it? So let's go back to 2016 and see exactly when that was used and how effective it actually was. Maybe he doesn't want the American people, all of you watching tonight, to know that he's paid nothing in federal taxes because the only years that anybody's ever seen were a couple of years when he had to turn them over to state authorities when he was trying to get a casino license and they showed he didn't pay any federal income tax. So that makes if me he's smart. paid zero, that means zero for troops, zero for vets, zero for schools or health. And I think probably he's not uh, all that enthusiastic about having the rest of our country see uh, what the real reasons are, because it must be something really important, even terrible, that he's trying to hide. Something really important, maybe even terrible. <laughs> Whatever that means. So he paid zero in federal income taxes, which means no money for schools, no money for the troops, no money for the homeless, the hungry, the impoverished. And of course, Donald Trump's response to that was, that makes me smart. <laughs> and he's right. He's 100% right. It does make him smart because people like Hillary Clinton put that stuff in place. And, and here's the way it works. We know that Donald Trump was a big donor to the Democrat Party. He gave money to politicians all across the board from Hillary Clinton to Kamala Harris to everybody else. And the reason for that, as a billionaire... As a businessman, your job is not just to generate money, to to generate success, but part of that is to save as much money as possible, not blow money, not give money away that you don't have to give. So you donate that money to politicians as an investment that they will then, when the issue of the tax code comes up, vote or implement policies that work in your favor. So over the years, that's exactly what happened. It's not just Donald Trump. It's anybody with money. That's what they do. They don't donate to these campaigns because they just think they're a nice guy and think they're going to do the, the right thing. And They donate because they expect something. That's, that's why those people do that. People with big people that donate substantial amounts of money. And that's why they do it. So it worked, and it's been the way politics have gone for a long, long time. And it's really, it's really why we voted for a guy that didn't need somebody else's money so he wouldn't have to do favors for anybody else. Why do you think the man's so hated? Because nobody, he's in debt to nobody. Politically, he doesn't owe anybody anything. He's in there doing his thing. That's why they hate the guy. But again, here we go with the tax stuff. It's been brought up again. And, and as a matter of fact, it's, it, the, the, the New York Times, they've done a piece on Trump's taxes at least once every year that he's been in office. At least once. Every single year. I guess this would technically be number four. And what's it accomplished? Absolutely nothing. But it does, however, open the door for Joe Biden and, and to talk about Joe Biden and, and the taxes he pays. And, and I don't know if they didn't think about this or they just thought people would breeze over it, not worry about it, that it would put Trump on uh, in, in such a defensive posture that they wouldn't have time to even bring it up. 
but they will. This is a well-oiled machine of a campaign. That's why there's already articles coming out about Joe Biden exploiting what's called an S-corp, an S-corporation to avoid payroll tax. To avoid payroll tax on millions of dollars he made really benefiting off of his political career. Books, speaking engagements, all this other stuff. He used these loopholes to avoid paying over $13 $13 million in taxes. If you go through here, this has got a lot of good info. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. Um, Back in, in August, Chris Jacobs, who's from the Wall Street Journal, he put out an article about the S Corp stuff. He said that Joe Biden responded to President Trump's partial suspension of the payroll tax collections with statement calling it the first shot in a new reckless war on Social Security. Our seniors and millions of Americans with disabilities are under enough stress without Trump putting their hard-earned Social Security benefits in doubt. Biden's objectives, uh, objections may have been more persuasive had he and his wife Jill not gone out of their way to avoid funding seniors' entitlement benefits because according to their tax returns in 2017 and 2018, the Bidens and his wife Jill avoided paying taxes on nearly $13.3 million in income from book royalties and speaking fees. They did so by classifying the income as an S-corporation as S-corporation profits rather than taxable wages. And that's not the only instance. You can go and find all kinds of nifty stuff in Joe Biden's tax records. They're all over the place. And, and Joe Biden's not special in this sense. It goes for every single politician, which shows you the hypocrisy of everybody talking about this. The hypocrisy doesn't lie in the people on your friends list on Facebook. They have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to the tax code, but are really mad about Donald Trump and him doing what he can to not pay extra taxes. It's these guys that know exactly what he did, where it came from, and they do it themselves. That's the real hypocrisy. And those are the people telling middle America to be mad about what Donald Trump has done. The same people that are exploiting the exact same loopholes. Another interesting point on this, just to drag Obama in the mix, because why not? Back in 2009, business losses could be used to wipe away taxes going back only two years. And, and that was... That was the standard. If you had a business and it lost money in a particular year, you could go back two years, and depending on how much your business lost, you could wipe away taxes that you owed. It was just a thing. And it seems logical if you lost money, you don't, you don't want to tax, you don't want business owners to have to pay taxes on money they never made, right? But that November in 2009... That window of two years was more than doubled to over four years in a bill that was signed called the Great Recession Recovery Effort, signed by one president, Barack Hussein Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> so so does this mean Biden now believes that that businesses should be taxed on, on money that they lost? Or does he still believe what he and Obama believed back in 2009? Because those are the things that made it possible for Donald Trump to not pay a bunch of money in taxes that he really didn't owe. It was their bill. Thanks, Obama. It was Obama and Biden who signed a bill that allowed this to happen. But the media is not going to talk about that. That's why I've got to tell you. And I hope tonight, as we have the great debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I hope, I hope that Joe Biden brings that up. Uh, not Joe Biden. He's not going to bring it up. <laughs> Donald Trump. I hope Donald Trump brings it up. Because it's, uh, it's very important that the American people know. Here's what I've seen so far, by the way, leading up to the debate. 
we're approximately, at, at the moment of this recording, we're about eight hours away from the debate. And if you're watching this before the debate, you don't want to miss it. Trust me. And then we'll do a podcast tomorrow on what happened. But I'm watching a lot of people in the media talk about how Joe's not sweating it. Democrats aren't sweating it. It's not a big deal because Donald Trump's just going to get up on stage and, and uh, take cheap shots and call Joe Biden a big fat doo-doo head. And, but Joe Biden's going to talk about the issues. And what he means by issues, he's going to talk about Trump's failures. Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about the issues. Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about what he's done over the past 40 years in federal government. He doesn't want to talk about those things because they've been an unmitigated failure. All of it. Every bit of it. Not to mention the countless lies that Joe has told over and over and over. A lot of it having to do with his education. Some of it having to do with his dealings with foreign officials. You know, Joe's the type of guy that will be caught on tape doing something or saying something and then turn around and say that it never happened. There was one I saw from 2019 where he was, I think he was in South Carolina or uh, somewhere. Yeah, he was, he was campaigning in South Carolina last year and in HBCU historically black college and he claimed that he got his educational start at delaware state university he said hey um you know i I know about hbcus and they have a special place in my heart that's where i got my start delaware state university so here's And most of us, if, if you would have heard this at the time, you would have probably said, yeah, right. No, nobody's, nobody's buying that, Joe. But he said it in front of this crowd of people. And, you know, of course, nobody's going to question it. Everybody's just assume Joe, maybe he did go to an historically black college. Here's Joe right here uh, telling that story. I think in Florence, yeah, Florence, South Carolina, in an HBCU. Listen to this. Well, we got Hillary Clinton talking. I don't know why that happens. Can we get rid of Hillary? Get Hillary out of here. Come on, lady. God, you're so obnoxious. I forget until I play audio from her how absolutely annoying her voice is. I, I got started out of an HBCU, Delaware State. I don't want to hear anything maybe about Delaware State. Okay? <laughs> The fact is that HBCUs are in trouble financially. Well, HBCUs were in trouble financially until Donald Trump made their funding permanent, which the Obama administration would never do. But that's not the point. That's another issue for another day. Joe Biden says Delaware State is where he got his start. Well, Delaware State actually had to recently come out and say, you know what? Uh, uh, we don't have any record of Joe Biden being at our school, <laughs> which is awkward. Y- you've got to wonder. Now, we all know Joe Biden's in mental decline and he's got some serious issues, cognitive issues. That is never, they'll never last four years in the White House because that is, that is a job that, that uh, requires nerves of steel. That is probably the most high-pressure job on the planet, being the commander-in-chief of the United States. Just take a look at how people who have spent eight years in office, how fast they age in eight years. You look at Bush or Obama or Bill Clinton, by the time they get out of office, they look awful. They look they look 30 years older than they did when they started. Google it. You'll see it for yourself. That is a high-pressure situation. And you think Joe, being in the state he's currently in, is going to be able to handle even four years of the presidency? That's why Democrats are so excited about this. That's that's why those on the radical left are so excited about this. They see this as their first opportunity in the history of this country to have some sort of power 
in the White House. And it is. They're, they're right when they say that. It's their opportunity to put up a puppet where they can pull the strings and call the shots. That's why the Supreme Court nomination is, is, is such a threat to that philosophy. That's why it's so dangerous to what they're trying to accomplish. And people need to know that. Most people that are moderate and can vote Democrat or Republican in any given election, they need to know that the guy they're voting for in Joe Biden, if you go that route, the guy you're voting for is not going to be president. It's going to be Kamala Harris. It's going to be Nancy Pelosi. It may even be AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar. You still don't know. But it's not going to be Joe Biden. Democrats are going to extreme lengths to make that happen because it, it is that important to them. Not that Joe deserves it. Not that he's, he's given his life to public service, so, you know, he's at the end of his career. Let's give him a shot. It's because they want control. Joe, Joe Biden is nothing but a, but a shield for them to, you know, uh, bombard their way into the White House. He's their human shield. He's their big piece of Antifa plywood as they, as they storm the police precinct. That's why Nancy Pelosi is briefing Democrats in the House of Representatives, telling them, hey, we may be the ones to decide the election. And this is a very important thing to watch as well, because there are some truths to what Nancy Pelosi is saying, although it may not be as dire as the headline seems. And I got this from Breitbart. Nancy Pelosi prepares for House of Representatives to vote to elect the president. And you see that, and you say, oh, crap. Because <laughs> Democrats control the House, right? So, it goes on to say, Breitbart explained three weeks ago how Pelosi's House of Representatives could re-elect Trump. They say it seems almost certain that neither party will accept a close result in the presidential election on November 3rd. And given the likely delays due to vote-by-mail recounts and legal challenges, it's possible that neither President Trump or Joe Biden will have an electoral college majority by December 14th when the electors cast their vote. The elections will be then be decided by the House of Representatives as indicated by the 12th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. It's happened twice before in 1800 and 1824. The 12th Amendment states that, quote, if no person have such majority in the Electoral College, then from the persons having the highest number numbers not exceeding three on the list of those voted for as president, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. Now, the word immediately means that the current Congress would choose. That, in turn, would seem to mean... Nancy Pelosi and the majority Democrats would prevail, thus picking Biden. But the 12th Amendment goes further, and it says, but in choosing the president, it says the votes shall be taken by states, the representation from each state having one vote. So where there's 435 representatives in the House of Representatives, there's only 50 states, so there would only be 50 votes. And current. Currently, the tally of, of representatives in each state shows that there are more Republican-majority delegations than Democrat-majority delegations. Republicans control 26 of those. Democrats have 22. Pennsylvania is tied, and Democrats have a 7-6 to six, uh, uh, have a seven to six Michigan plurality. So, it's not as dire if it comes down to that. But you still don't want it to come down to that. Because as they say, if it gets to a point where we're waiting on mail-in voting or there's controversy or there's legal challenges and it's, it's close at all, we could see some absolute chaos. And we're really, when it comes to mail-in voting, we're already seeing it. Project Veritas just putting out a video hours after the New York Times put out their big tax hit piece showing 
actual video, and if you keep up with Project Veritas, you know how these guys do amazing investigative work, and they do it to where you can't deny it, right? They say, here's the video, here's the people saying it, like, what is there to dispute? They put out a video showing people tied to Ilhan Omar ballot harvesting in Minnesota. And what they mean by ballot harvesting, they're going to people's homes saying, hey, we made a mistake, we need to get your ballot, we'll resend you a ballot, blah, 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 blah. They go into these communities with older people who are easily easily fooled because they don't, and, and that's nothing to, to take a shot at old people, but, you know, in this day and age, everything's getting confusing, you don't really know what's what, you've spent the past 70 years going to your polling place to vote, but now you're doing mail-in voting, people are trying to figure it out, so if somebody shows up at your door and says, hey, I'm from the U.S. government, we need to get your ballot, and then we'll send you a new one, you're saying, oh, okay, that's fine, especially, I mean, right now, the census People from the census are going around knocking on doors. So it wouldn't be an odd thing in the mind of somebody at a moment's notice to say, oh, they need my ballot. They don't think about that. It's not a big deal. Here's my ballot. So they're sending them out into these communities to ballot harvest. They're then taking them back with them, filling them out themselves, and then sending in the vote. Obviously voting for Joe Biden. And then, after they do that, for each ballot that they fill out and send back in, they get paid for it. Now, for some reason, some of these ballot harvesters have decided to go to social media and brag about the money they're making by harvesting said ballots. Uh, but it helped James O'Keefe and Project Veritas put this nice little video together. And for those of you on YouTube, I'm going to show this to you. Absolutely amazing Forgive me if the audio is is not quality here, but this is a must-see. And if you need to go watch it on your own, if you're listening to the audio version of the show, go to YouTube, look up Project Veritas, um, and, and type in Ilhan Omar Connected Ballot Harvesting, and you'll find it. it, it it'll be right there. It is a must-see situation. Here it is. Project Veritas. James. James O'Keefe here in downtown Minneapolis at the scene of the crime. The person you're about to meet, Levon Muhammad, aka King Levon One, boasts about the hundreds of absentee ballots in his car. This video is one of the first of its kind. A man self-incriminating himself, bragging about all the illegal ballot harvesting that he does. Money is everything. Money is the key in this world. If you ain't got money, you shouldn't. You should not be here, period. You know what I'm saying? Black is everything. Campaign of black ball with that. Black ball or dollar, you. Ball, dollar, or hell yeah, either you got you. I'm just so hard there. You cannot campaign that. You gotta have an investment to campaign. You gotta have a fundraisers. You gotta have what I need You gotta have the whole team. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. What you done, Gary? You go up with what absent ballot? Salkayal. So much you did. Very. What house? What done? So much you did. What about Gary? What about Kayal? What house? Kulu Jamal Osman. We very, very. Three hundred clear months. So that Jamal Osman. Yeah. I'm not going to say Amino. Amino Mahalala. Well, look at the same thing. Hello, we. I think he was both Ilhan Omar and, 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 and Jamal, but I think he was more with Ilhan Omar. My name is Omar, O-M-A-R, Jamal, J-A-M-A-L. I'm right now uh, part of the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office, uh, but also I'm the chair of the Somali Watchdog Group, and I have been involved in the community for the last 20 years. 
Omar Jamal is the latest brave Project Veritas insider to come forward and expose a voter fraud scheme in Minnesota that will shock you. Well, I wouldn't be part of this investigation because of uh, ongoing election fraud that we feel that we should bring to the attention of everyone. Therefore, chances are we can do something about it. When we spoke with Omar Jamal, he actually repeated our PV insider motto, be brave. Do something about it. Omar Jamal secretly recorded conversations with the players involved in the voter fraud scheme to expose the criminal behavior, he says, is victimizing his own community and the integrity of the election process. Now, this is a 16-minute a video that you can go and watch yourself. And again, I apologize for you guys that are listening on the audio version. You just heard a bunch of uh, Arabic talking. But you can see the captions. If you go to the YouTube page, you can see the captions of what these guys are saying. And it's exactly as I ex explained a minute ago. They're going to these communities. They're taking uh, vulnerable communities, really, people that don't know any different, whether that's immigrant communities or, or elderly communities. And, and they're literally showing up and saying, hey, we got to have your ballots. There's been a mistake, blah, blah, blah. And they don't question it. They just, they, they take the ballots and they fill them out themselves and then they get paid for it by Ilhan Omar or people connected to Ilhan Omar. And this is a scheme that is likely going on across the country. We have video footage of it happening. This has been their plan all along. It hasn't been scary Republican conservative talking points to keep people from using mail-in voting. But Donald Trump and Bill Barr use mail-in voting. Give me a break. These guys knew what they were doing from the start. It was never about COVID-19. It was never about stopping the spread. It was simply about cheating. Now, there's part of the Democrat Party that was afraid that they had freaked out their base so much about COVID-19 that they wouldn't show up to vote. So they thought, well... We do got to get involved in this mail-in voting. Otherwise, our people aren't going to vote. We've already got a weak candidate, and we've scared them with this virus that's got a 99% survival rate. So we got to do something. But Democrats have always put their blood, sweat, and energy into cheating in elections. Republicans on the other side have always put their blood, sweat, and tears and energy into stopping that fraud. Not saying either has worked or either hasn't worked, but that's just what they've done over the years, especially when it comes to presidential elections. Now, in the past, Republicans and Democrats used to agree that mail-in voting is absolutely absurd. You can go see old podcasts. I've got uh, Democrats, you know, speaking on the record saying that no, we're not doing mail-in voting. That's crazy. We would never be able to do that. It would, it would never work. It would be an utter disaster. And this is why. It is still an utter disaster. So we're, we're seeing story after story after story. I think in New York, something like 140,000 people have already reported they've gotten the wrong ballots. Ballots that were addressed to somebody else or ballots for somebody that's been deceased or never lived in that state or... A plethora of reasons. The voter rolls are so broken because they're they're never maintained. They're 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 never scrubbed of people who are no longer living or of people who have moved. Then it would really be impossible to keep up with that. Now, if every single person, every time a family member died or every time they moved, they immediately went and changed their voter registration, then that would be fine. It would be a perfect world. But people don't do that. Sometimes people just stop voting altogether because they're disgusted with the state of politics. And then they've moved three times since they last voted. But the person living in their old house is getting their ballot now. It's not going to work. They knew it's not going to work. This was set up strictly for this situation. So if you want to talk about voter suppression, talk about the people that are living in states where the, their only way to vote is to get a a ballot in the mail, and they never get their ballot. That's real voter suppression. Asking somebody to bring an ID to a polling place to prove they are who they say they are, that's not voter suppression. It's actually racist. 
Because the argument there is, well, if you're black or you're a minority, you don't have the means to get an ID. How degrading is that? This is real voter suppression. And it's going on right in front of our eyes. This should be a story 10 times bigger than anything dealing with Donald Trump's legal tax dealings. But the media is silent. Well, I take that back. The media is not silent. The media is actively trying to discredit Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. It's what they do with every project he does. But the beauty of it is he puts in his blood, sweat, and tears and energy into showing you the evidence that cannot be disproved. The videos of it happening. The players in the scenario. The people they're connected to. It's right there in front of you. And you can't deny it. You can cover your eyes and plug your ears, but that's your only defense at that point. But the media will continue to smear that organization as they simply are looking to get the truth out. But on the other hand, the mainstream media, the enemy of the people, those are the guys that get a pass. We've got one more thing before we get out of here. And that is really a sad situation having to do with Brad Parscales. Now, Brad Parscale was the... Uh, he was the online uh, campaign manager. He was the digital campaign manager, I guess, for the Trump campaign and for the Trump administration. And if you've kept up with the online presence of the Trump campaign, you know that they've done an absolutely amazing job, especially when it comes to Republicans. Republicans have been notorious for having poor presence online and and. <laughs> getting their message out to actually reach everybody because it's it's always been a bunch of old crusty white men that don't even know how to use the internet right that's all changed now brad parscales was a master at doing what he did for the trump campaign well over the past few weeks brad parscale had been Moved, and I don't know if this was technically a demotion or what, but he had been taking off that, taking off that post, and put into a different position. And when I originally heard it, I thought, well, that kind of sucks because, you know, the evidence is there. He's done a good job for the campaign. I don't know why you'd make that change, but I'm not going to pretend to know the inner workings of the campaign and why that decision was made. I don't. Then I saw this story a day or two ago where. Brad Parscale had been detained and hospitalized because he had uh, attempted suicide or uh, uh, attempted some sort of self-harm where his girlfriend or his wife had to, to call police to the home as he had grabbed a gun and was acting erratic or whatever. And this morning, for the first time, I actually saw the video of Brad Parscale and, and, and how all that went down, the interaction with police. I think I've got it somewhere. Let's see here. I think the Daily Caller had it posted, so we'll pull that up and let you watch it. As it, uh, there's my messages popping up from my mama. I was, actually, I was actually telling my mom about this video. So here is Brad Parscales. I keep calling him Parscales. It's Brad Parscale, and the interaction he had with the uh, Fort Lauderdale police. That's where he lives. So his wife slash girlfriend, I don't know the relation, calls the police, and this is the interaction they had. He's acting crazy, and so I went outside to the backyard to let him just like show up. Uh-huh. And he was just like going irate. And he like came out of his office, cocked a gun, went back and I was like, okay, this is like up. So I went to the front yard. Yep. Okay. And then I saw him like, I was sitting in the front yard, I was trying to like, give him space, chill out. I saw him like look out the window. Man, I heard a loud boom. Hello, Brad. How you doing, sir? Hey, I got him on. Hey, Brad. How you doing? This is Officer Scad, the Fort Lauderdale Police Department. Oh my God. You okay? You okay in there? Okay. All right. Can you do us a favor? Can you walk out with no weapons? Can you come outside with no weapons, please? Okay, we're here at 25. Sir, can you just come step out of the house? Charlie, uh, 25 on the phone. All right, sir, just, just do us a favor. We're just trying to check on you. 
Alright, we'll just just I know. Okay, that that that's that's perfectly fine. But just do us a favor and just come outside. Charlie one four. I still have him landline. He's refusing to come out. Like went back inside. Came back out of his office, like caught his hand gun. And went back inside. You got a lot of guns in the house? I think we have like four or five. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. Handguns, like rifles like that, or a lot of handguns. He has a shotgun, he has a rifle, he has a block. And so after he did that, I was like, okay, he just needs to, like, he's really getting out of control. So I went to the front yard, and I was just sitting in the front yard, just like trying to chill for a second. And so then I saw him, I saw him, like, open the blinds in the front yard, and then he closed them, and then I heard what I thought was a gunshot. Nope. Now here we have police walking up to the house. Brad Parscale sitting on the porch and they ask him to walk over. Okay, come out here. That's fine. Alright, relax. What's going on? She's walking. Just stand in the Don't do it. Relax. What happened? So... She started saying all this shit. Hey, get on the ground, man. Get on the ground. Get on the ground, man. Get on the ground, man. Oh, Jesus. Get on the ground. What are you saying? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Stay out. Put your hands behind back. Put your hands behind back. Hey, we'll figure it all out, right? Don't worry about it. I didn't do anything. And now at this point, the police come storming in and they take Brad Parscale down to the ground. Uh, in an attempt to not only protect themselves, but protect him from harming himself because they, they don't really know what's going on. And this is standard procedure when it comes to a call for a suicide attempt. Uh, it's all about protecting everybody involved. It sucks, and you see it, and you hate to see somebody like that who is obviously a successful guy. And a big guy at that. We know Brad Parscale is a uh, is a big dude, uh, but they have to take him down for his own protection. And so I have yet to see an update on what his status is, where he's at, if he's doing better or whatever. But I'll obviously I'll talk about it because, like I said, that that was kind of hard to watch. Uh, I like Brad Parscale. I've kept up with him for a while, at least since. The Donald Trump campaign started back in 2015. And uh, to see somebody, you know, go that route, he was obviously intoxicated. He was drinking, and it seemed to turn into that situation. My, my initial thought was, okay, this this transition at work didn't sit well with him, and here he is sitting at home, possibly working from home, and he's you know, depressed about it, he's self-medicating, and it, you know, it spirals. We all know people that have, have been through stuff like that, similar to that, and it's just sad, but the cops did what they had to do. They they, they did it by the book, from, from what I can see, and hopefully Brad Parscale will get back on track and, uh, and be all right, you know? Sometimes people just need this kind of... Uh, Kind of wake-up call, and uh, I don't know. Sad story, though, nonetheless. Last but not least, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That's right. The Rock, one of the most prolific characters from the WWF, the WWE, of all time. In my opinion, it's a tie between he and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But The Rock, who has yet to do this before, has come out in support of a presidential candidate, and it is no other than Joe and Kamala. That's right. Now, I have to think that if The Rock were still the rock we knew from the late 90s, early 2000s, he might be on the side of Donald Trump, whether that's he legit likes Donald Trump or he's just doing it for his WWE character. But since he's moved on to Hollywood and he's in all these movies and he's this big movie star, he has now been brainwashed by the Hollywood elite and probably told, hey, you need to use your voice to endorse Joe Biden. We have to stop Donald Trump. 
Because I bet you, I bet you, he wasn't keen to this idea when he was first approached about it. But Hollywood said, hey, if you're going to continue making it in this town, kid, you're going to have to endorse Joe and Kamala. And here we are. The Rock loves Joe and Kamala. Because really, Dwayne Johnson is not stupid. He's not. And he knows it's a bad business move to go out and, and isolate half, if not more, of your viewing audience. The people that that buy the movie tickets, the people that buy your merchandise. You don't want to isolate half of those people, especially in a polarizing election season such as this. But he did it. And you can almost guarantee yourself that he did it because he was pressured into doing it. I'm not giving him a pass because I personally don't think he needs Hollywood. But The Rock has likely been pressured into it, and they said, if you want to keep working in this town... You better step up. You better step up and endorse Joe and Kamala or you won't be in any more of our movies. That's how that's how Hollywood operates. They 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 take you hostage. They tell you it's our way or the highway and if you don't like it, get lost, punk. Get lost. You ain't going to be in this town any longer. You <laughs> You ain't going to be in any more movies. And it's a sad situation. It, it kind of ties in, honestly, in my opinion. I, I've watched a lot of this stuff about Scientology and other things. I think a lot of it ties into that as well. It's that type of mentality. That's where Scientology comes from. It comes from that Hollywood mentality of do as we say or we will destroy you. Unfortunately, Dwayne Johnson... Has fallen victim to that. We're out of here. Hope y'all have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. Post-debate coverage. There'll be plenty to talk about, I'm sure. And you're not going to want to miss it. If this is your first time on this YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button. Click the bell to get the notifications. If you haven't checked us out on Facebook, it's Over the Line, facebook.com slash Over the Line Show. And at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter, make sure you check that out as well. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, like 10 different platforms. You can find us. So go and check it out. The debate of the century tonight. If you don't make time for you and your family to watch it you are doing your country a disservice it's going to be bigger than any national championship any super bowl any sort of major event we've ever seen so hook it up and until next time see you cool